I grew up in a household where Beatles music was played as if it was the theme tune to our family's life. My dad is a massive Beatles fan, and so I rocked out to their tunes for most of my childhood, and I knew all of the words to most of their songs by heart. One of the songs that I really loved was Can't Buy Me Love, which contains the following lyrics. Say you don't need no diamond rings, and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things that money just can't buy. I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. Now, as a kid, I remember understanding that money can't buy you love. But I was too young to be interested in girls yet, and I wasn't looking for love. What I was looking for was a PlayStation. So I think I probably filed away that piece of Beatles wisdom for a later date when money wouldn't be so important to me. For now, the problem with money is that I didn't have enough of it. Fast forward to my teenage years, and money wouldn't just buy you possessions, it would buy you a chance to break into the in crowd, the ones who could afford to dress cool and buy lots of goodies at the tuck shop for their friends. And it wasn't just about the stuff, it was about the social acceptance and respect, and money was the key to certain social groups. When you were wearing certain brands of sunglasses or certain shoes, you were one of the cool crowd. Now, don't get me wrong, they didn't love you, but they respected the fact that you could dress cool, and so you were all right to talk to. And girls might talk to you too, right, if you dress really, really well. And I was starting to become interested in their displays of affection towards me, even if it did cost me a lot of money to impress them. Movies were not cheap. Pizza was not cheap. Birthday presents that didn't suck weren't cheap. Roses on Valentine's Day were not cheap. And I longed for the day when I would be able to pick up a date in a Jaguar rather than a canary yellow 1970s Nissan Pulsar. But hey, at least I had access to a car. That meant I could pick them up. That was a good thing. Cars mattered. Cash mattered. Clothes mattered. Expensive fragrances mattered, or in my case, really cheap deodorant that smelled much more expensive than it was. So having money really mattered to me until Jesus really mattered to me. Then things started to change a bit. When I started to take my faith more seriously in my latter teens, I began to understand that the acceptance that I really craved was to be loved for who I am, not for what I had to offer. I had literally nothing to offer to God, but he loved me enough to give everything for me anyway. Love was fully seen in selfless sacrifice, not selfish gain. Faith was demonstrated in obedience and trust, by character, not by prosperity. And guess what? Christian girls were interested in character, faithfulness, sacrificial love, not just cash. I realized I didn't want to date the kind of girls who were only interested in me because I had access to a car. I met Christian girls who loved Jesus more than money, and I realized that they were far more attractive to me, and not just because they were a cheap date. Perhaps most important of all, I began to realize how blessed I already was, and how much more valuable money would be to those who had far less than me. My eyes were opened by God to the inequality between the rich and the poor. I saw rich people fall into ruin and learned that money doesn't guarantee security. I met people who were happy but poor, and wealthy people who were miserable. I observed what hoarding wealth and pursuing the influence that it buys you does to people. The selfish ambition of corrupt politicians who stole from the poor to build up personal fortunes and status among the elite. I saw the plight of the poor, the contempt that they were shown by those in positions of power, and I realized that the love of money really does lead to all kinds of evil acts. Money isn't evil, it's just a tool to be wielded but the person wielding it can be evil or good. 
And the more we love money, the less we are likely to love people the way God calls us to. That's why John Lennon and Paul McCartney said they didn't care too much for money. Money can't buy you love. In fact, if you love money too much, it can actually rob you of love, love for other people and life itself. So is it weird to not want loads of money? Well, maybe in a world where wealth and status are coveted and celebrated as the ultimate source of personal enrichment. But that's kind of strange. You know, world-renowned psychologist Abraham Maslow recognized that ultimately every human being strives to be noticed for their achievements and to realize their full potential, factors which, at least in capitalist societies, are usually associated with wealth and financial success. He taught us to understand that these were not as vital to human survival as the basic human needs of food and security. But he also acknowledged that once we have enough to eat, to clothe ourselves in a safe place to stay, we begin to look for more out of life. We look for love and belonging, and we chase success that leads to recognition and a sense of self-fulfillment. These are natural desires, and none of them is wrong. But what is wrong is believing that having loads of money will be the answer to meeting all of these human needs. You know, in a letter to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, one of the earliest Christian uh, missionaries and authors of many of the books in the New Testament part of the Bible, the Apostle Paul, he writes expressing concern that even within the Christian church, there were some people who loved money more than they loved God or the people around them. Listen to his words in 1 Timothy chapter 6 from verse 4. This is what he says. He says, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrel about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. You see, Paul wasn't against Christians gaining things. Far from it. He wanted them to gain more out of life, not less. What he had a problem with is the idea that financial gain is to be pursued at the expense of relationships which are far more important. Abraham Maslow was right to suggest that human beings need love and belonging even more than they need to be held a success or indeed to feel a personal sense of having accomplished their full potential. And Paul knew the same thing long before him. Paul knew that people were created by God for relationships, not possessions for love and a communal purpose rather than empire building. It's not wrong to own nice things as long as nice things don't own you. That's not gain, that's slavery. If our happiness depends on owning and protecting our material possessions, then we're serving them, not the other way around. However, God demands something different from Christians, not because he wants less for us, but because he offers us something substantially more. And if you're watching and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, could I suggest that this will be helpful to you too? Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, God wants us to gain. He wants us to gain far more than financial wealth. He wants us to pursue two things, godliness and contentment. Because he says that to possess these two qualities is the key to great gain. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. So what are they? Well, godliness simply means being like God, thinking and acting in ways that he does, becoming more like Jesus and less like those who see Christianity and relationships with others as a means to an end.
And contentment, according to Paul's teaching here, is accepting that we can survive and even thrive if we have food and clothing, if our basic needs are met. And these are the things that we should dream of and pursue before even thinking about money. But you know, there are some people for whom money is such a priority that the other more foundational needs of their life take second place. And this will always lead to disaster. Paul puts it this way, saying, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So whilst God's way of godly contentment leads to great gain, chasing riches in a state of ungodly discontent leads to great loss. You know, the words Paul is using here are striking. Fall, temptation, trap, foolish, harmful, plunge, ruin, destruction, evil, wandered, pierced, griefs. It's not a pretty picture. What a contrast between the image of great gain that he associates with godly contentment and the great loss that's experienced by those who live in a state of ungodly discontent because they chase after money above all else. God wants more for us than that. So Paul urges Timothy as a man pursuing God to flee from all of this, to pursue different things, to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. These two lifestyles are polar opposites of one another. So what does Paul mean? Well, righteousness is a state where you naturally do the right thing in the eyes of God and towards your fellow human beings, even if it costs you dearly, because God and people matter more to you than personal gain. Godliness, we've already explained, is being like God in character and in deeds. Faith is believing God is good and will provide for our needs because he doesn't, he, he wants more for us. He wants us to gain more than we would if we simply pursued our own desires. And so we wait and we trust in him. Love is not just a feeling, but an inclination to act in the best interests of someone else, even if that costs us personally. Endurance means waiting for God's provision in faith during the times when that is difficult and we lack many of the comforts that others might enjoy as they pursue financial or material gain at all costs. Gentleness means not standing on other people in order to climb that ladder towards personal gain, treating others with the same love and respect you feel that you deserve. These are hard things to do in a world that constantly bombards us with an alternative message and alternative values. We're told to always chase our dreams, create success for ourselves, live for the moment, strike while the iron is hot, buy the latest and the greatest product on offer, using credit if necessary because you deserve it. Love yourself and put your needs first. Get the things you want as soon as you can because life is short and you should enjoy it to the max no matter what the cost. You know, these are enticing words and ideas, a philosophy of gaining whatever you can and becoming all that you can be or self-actualization as Maslow called it. Except that this isn't necessarily what Maslow meant for us to do. You see, his hierarchy of needs actually points to self-actualization in last place. It's not foundational, but somehow our culture has flipped that. It's turned this research on its head and it's said that becoming the most successful version of ourselves is the highest need that we have, even though it increases the risk to our daily provision 
and our ongoing sense of security through people going into debt as we accumulate more and more than we need. Not to mention the love of people that we stand on or ignore in our race to the top of the ladder. Paul urges Timothy to fight against this pervasive set of ideas, saying, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. You know, the quest for financial gain is not the life of faith in God that we have been called to pursue. We were called to flee from evil and to pursue righteousness, to fight against the narrative of independence and self-provision and pursue the eternal life that God has for us. Do you see what God wants for us? Eternal life, not a life based on things that we can't take with us when we die. He wants great gain for us, not short-term financial gain. He wants more for us, not less. So Paul urges Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And Paul reminds Timothy about the benefit of living a godly life of contentment, saying, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God wants us to experience life that is truly life, eternal life. God wants us to have the kind of treasure that has a firm foundation for the coming age. He wants far more for us than financial gain. He wants great gain, eternal gain, true gain. So he urges us through Paul not to place our hope for such gain in wealth, which is uncertain, but rather to hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do you want to enjoy life and be blessed by God? Then pursue a life marked by godliness and contentment. Do good to other people. Be rich in good deeds rather than in possessions. Be generous and willing to share rather than selfish and willing to take from others whatever you need for your own personal self-satisfaction. You know, the weird way to gain greatly is to give up our need to gain financially. The weird way to happiness is through godliness and contentment expressed in valuing loving relationships more than your bank balance or your way of life. This world's way of gain leads many people to ruin through debt, corruption, criminality, and selfishness. But it also leads to a plunge to destruction in the coming age where money in the bank is worth nothing before God. You know, one day, you and I will have to give an account to God for the way that we used the life and the resources he blessed us with. Some people will say that they used everything that they had to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Others will wonder exactly how to tell him what he already knows, that they spent it all on themselves, and now it's all worthless. What will you say? There's my takeaway question for you this morning. As you reflect on Paul's letter to Timothy and on what you're living your life for right now, what are you trying to gain? My prayer for you is that you will gain greatly according to the riches of God's character and the contentment that he offers you. My prayer is that you will have enough to be happy without the need to chase increasing financial prosperity. My prayer is that when you stand before the judgment seat of God, you will be able to say that you used the life and the blessings that he gave you to invest in godliness and contentment 
that you spent what you knew you could not keep to gain what you knew you could never lose. And if you're watching that, this right now and that doesn't sound like you, please don't waste another day of your life chasing riches instead of relationships. God wants you to place your trust in him as your provider and your source of future happiness. He calls you to flee from a life lived for financial gain and to take hold of the life that is truly life, the life that you were always meant to live, a life of hope in God and in the plan that he has for you. Everybody who follows Jesus down the weird, narrow path leads to great gain. I'd like to pray for you now as we consider what God is challenging us to do. Heavenly Father, it is easy to talk about not pursuing riches and yet we are surrounded by messages that tell us to do the opposite and it is sometimes hard to do we all like the latest thing the latest fashion the latest gadget these are things that bring us temporary quick fixes but father you want more for us than that and so lord help us not to be enslaved by the need to gain more because the son of man did not come to be served. He did not come to gain. He did not come to get, but actually to serve others and to pour himself out as a ransom for many. Help us to be more like Jesus and less like, I suppose, the model that the world sometimes gives us of what it means to be successful. Father, help us to measure success differently than just self-actualization. Help us to measure it in the loving relationship that we have with you and in the loving relationships that we have to the people around us in the way that we treat them. That godliness with contentment leads to great gain. Father, help us to be more like you and to be more content with all that you have blessed us with that we might truly gain all that you have for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.